Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Well, hello everybody. We are back at the table, Redemption's table. We are in Montgomery, Alabama. We have just finished lunch at Nukes. And uh, I am sitting across the table from Dwayne. Dwayne Rimbert, welcome to the table, Dwayne. Thank you, brother. We just had lunch. What did you have? Man, I had the uh, steak and shrimp salad with ranch dressing with romaine salad. That's it. Was good. good. That was good. <laughs> I had the shrimp and avocado salad. Yeah. And it was wonderful. Yeah. This is a good choice. One of my favorite places is Nukes. I believe it's Nukes Deli. I think that's what they go by. I think so too, but one of my favorites as well. Well, thank you for suggesting this place. Thank you for sitting down and and visiting with me today. I, I heard you preach back in February at Crossroads Church up in, I believe it's Elmore, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And that night you spoke, you talked about how God was at work in your life yeah. and talked about something that God had placed upon your heart in life called the Flatline Movement. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get, uh, that, that concept, that thought hooked me, right. Flatline. And we're gonna talk about that in just a little bit. But, um, I invited you to the table. You graciously said yes, and, and here we are. And, yeah. and as we were doing our pre-podcast conversation, you gave me a book yeah. that you'd written. Yes, sir. Uh, called Flatlined to Engage. Yes, sir. And I read the book, and uh, I, as I was reading, I, I noticed always interesting what other people say about us. Mm-hmm. And a man by the name of Willie Spears, he's a preacher, he's a coach, yeah. uh, he said this about you. He said, Dwayne is a Swiss army knife for Christ. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's wow. good. Amen. And then he he, he, he kind of went on and elaborated about what he meant. He said that you, uh, he was talking about your giftedness in Christ, how mm. God is using you, but he's also described you as uh, someone with a unique blend, uh, a unique blend of humility oh, wow. and uh, confidence. Yeah. And and as I read your book, I could see oh. what he was talking about. Oh, so, amen. Thank you for being at the table. Yes, thank sir. You for yes, sir. In. It's a blessing. Yeah. I'm gonna. We're gonna start out with. Uh, I would like you to share your life. Wikipedia okay. style, okay. about three minutes <laughs> of your life from the time uh, 1975 when you were born right. to an event that happened in your life in 2002. Who, right. who is Dwayne Rimford? All right, you want to stop at 2002? Yeah, yeah, for uh, the moment. For the moment. We're, we're okay. going to go farther. All right, all right, yeah. cool, man. All right, well, um, Dwayne, um, 44 years old, um, uh, raised by a single parent. Uh, my grandmother raised me. Mom was kind of in and out, uh, no father. Um, in my life and um, 
and I used to go to church up until the time till I was around 12 years old and my grandmother because of her help she stopped going to church I stopped going to church and you know whenever you stop going to church or one I hadn't heard the gospel so whenever there's no God that's a lot of devil so uh, just got into all kinds of stuff uh, really just very angry because there was no father in my life so, uh, but I, I was real good at trying to hide it, but just got into all kinds of stuff. And by the grace of God, I did graduate high school, uh, and then I uh, almost got into some trouble, and I ended up moving to Montgomery, Alabama, uh, uh, ended up getting a job in the hotel industry. Uh, while in that industry, got promoted all the way up to sales manager, and at the time, my boss was a director of sales, and she used to always invite me to go to church, but at the time, I hated church people. Uh, because of the neglect of the church people as well as my father, but I wanted that position on a job So when mm -hmm. she invited me to go to church, I was like, man, okay I'm gonna go this time because I'm trying to get this job. I didn't go to, to meet Jesus I didn't know who Jesus was to be honest uh, But when I went February 3rd 2002 at 11:17 a.m. is when I heard the gospel and I surrendered my whole heart my whole life to the Lord At that moment at that moment at that time. Yes, sir. Wow. So, yeah, and that, there were things that struck me about your testimony in the book and reading the book, and I just want to recommend it to anybody uh, to check it out. Flatline and to engage. Great yes, read. Um, but talking about the power of different things in your life, and the first thing that struck me in your story, and you just alluded to it, uh, the power of presence in a person's life. Yeah. Uh, you grew up without an earthly father being. Mm -hmm. Present, so you had an absentee yeah. father, yeah. and then you also uh, experienced an absentee church. Yeah. Even though you went to church, you wrote this. I think in the forward of the book, you said there are two things that were evident in your life: the church didn't know how to biblically engage me and my friends, or they didn't care to get involved. Yeah, and that's indicative of of. Uh, an absentee church, an yeah. absentee body. Yeah. And so talk a little bit about the power of presence. How important is it for us to be present, to be yeah. engaged in people's lives? Yeah. Uh, well, we're born in sin, so we, we're born without that information of who the Lord is, mm -hmm. you know. And so the Bible says, how could they know unless, a, you know, somebody come preach the gospel to them, you know. And, um, you know, um, the Bible also talks about, you know, fathers neglect not your child to wrath. Mm -hmm. So, but God also says that he will be a father to the fatherless. So, um, when you don't, when you lack the presence of a male role model uh, or someone telling you about that you're loved, because you don't, you, you don't automatically think you're loved, especially mm -hmm. when you're not experiencing that you're loved. You know, you, 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 that becomes your reality. If I feel like I'm not loved, then why should I care about life and why should I care about society? You know, but until someone come and tell me, physically come and tell me and share the good news with me or any of my friends, then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna function in the state that we're born into, which is sin, you know. And uh, Satan understands when the word says, neglect not your child to wrath, he knows then he has permission to inject wrath into that child. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's happening a lot, especially within our culture, especially the African-American context, but not just the African-American context. There's a lot of children just angry all over the world because they're experiencing neglect of the father, you know. Yeah. And we're, like right now, Christian men, we're the representation of the Heavenly Father until they meet the Heavenly Father, yeah. you know, so 
you know. So it's important that we we, we are present. You know? and, and I think presence <clears throat> comes into play in, in what you're doing now as far as your ministry goes. Yeah, and absolutely. We're going to talk a little bit about that in just yeah. a moment. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So the power of presence, that's important. There's yeah. also the power of words. One of the things is I read your story, uh, just how words that people spoke into your lives, or sometimes yeah. even the absence of words, yeah. uh, created different emotions, different yeah. thoughts. And I want to use a negative example, and, uh, and then I want to use a, a positive example. Uh, there in the book, there was a moment when one of your teachers labeled you, mm -hmm. uh, or that he he or she used you as an illustration that yeah. was a negative. Yeah. It, it impacted you emotionally. Absolutely. I was in the seventh grade, and uh, we were, we were. If I if I say the class, um, people know who I'm talking about. But we were we were we were out in the we're, we're from the country, so we you know we take boag. Mm -hmm. So we're we're in the uh, field, mm -hmm. and we're learning about bulls and cows and how they produce and healthy bull versus unhealthy bull. And at the time, I was a very skinny, skinny guy because we didn't have food a lot of time, you know. So I didn't, I didn't have a healthy eating habit, you know. We didn't have running water until I was 19, so it was just a lot of unhealthy things that I didn't realize was unhealthy. So anyway, so I was very skinny, and the guy used me, my teacher, who I look up to, and then he he, he picked out a girl that I secretly had a crush on, you know, which made it even worse. He, he used her, used me as an example against another one of my friends, saying, okay. Um, he, was, he was trying to sh give an example of a healthy bull versus an unhealthy bull mm -hmm. and which one of these you would rather get pregnant by in order to have uh, a healthy child mm -hmm. and she chose the other guy mm -hmm. you know versus me and it, it seemed like a big deal and, and he actually said he said yeah because Dwayne would never have healthy children you know mm -hmm. like that he's less likely to have healthy children yeah. and in my little you know, a little impressionable mind. I'm in the seventh grade, you know, that stuck with me, I think, all the way till I had children. Yeah. You know, it was a fear of me having children because of this man that who I look up to and no one is combating what he said. Mm -hmm. I was convinced in my in my mind. And then I ain't I have nobody to talk to about, so I'm just holding all this stuff in yeah. my whole life, you know, that I'll never be able to have healthy children. Yeah, when you when I read that portion, of course, that just went straight to my heart because I thought, you know, wow, the power of our words and how we need to guard our mouths and our minds yeah. and what we speak into other people's lives. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it was thoughtless or not, you yeah. know, that words have power. They do. And then, and then the, then the neglect part was there was another situation. Fast forward, I'm now I'm in the 11th grade, you know, I'm in the hallway of school, you know, and I'm hanging out with two of my friends and one of their moms is in, uh, both of their moms are in the education field. Mm -hmm. One of them works in the cafeteria, his mom works in the cafeteria, and then the other um, friend of mine, his mom was a substitute teacher, so they mm -hmm. kind of had connections. Uh, with the school system, I didn't. You know, my, unfortunately, my uncle was under the bondage of alcohol. My mom was in and out of the street, and everybody knew it. And then there was a time when we was in the hallway, and an administrator came up, mm -hmm. and he began to talk to the guy on the right about getting his paperwork ready to go to a college up here in Huntsville, Alabama. Mm -hmm. He skipped over me, and then began to talk to the other guy on my left about getting his paperwork ready for the military. So at that moment, by him neglecting me. Like, he confirmed what I already thought about myself anyway. Yeah. You know, I thought I was going to be a failure. I thought I was going to be dead by the time I was 21. Or I'm going to be stuck here working at the at the mill. I'm never going to be able to go to college. I didn't know about ASVAL, ACT, SAT, none of that stuff. No one talked to me about that. And b because they didn't talk to me about that, that communicated to me that I'm not worthy 
of even hearing about that because you're not gonna be anything. Don't waste your time with him. Yeah. So, just not saying it, not bringing the words to me affected me in a negative way. And at that moment when he did that, that's when I really began to spiral out of control, breaking in houses, selling crack, holding crack for other drug dealers, stealing out of stores. It was just like, man, I don't care about life anyway. So if I get caught, I get caught. You know, if I go to jail, I go to jail. Like, I have no hope, I have no future. Based on this administrator ignoring me. Yeah. Yeah. And you and then there's you're married to Leslie. I am. And Amen. You have how many children? We got three children. Three healthy children. Yeah, that's what I was gonna end you know what what So so Yeah. Both of my boys yeah. start on the basketball team. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, not yeah. all the words spoken in our lives yeah. come into fruition. Yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. But she spoke some words into your life i believe before y'all were even married yeah like when she was oh, yeah. a girlfriend she's she one day there was a situation in her life and she just said dwayne you're smart you are smart yeah and those words impacted you yeah. in a positive well she way. was the first person that i can remember it was to say that mm -hmm. like to call me smart like i never thought i was smart mm -hmm. you know and what happened was before uh, i was working in the banquet department at the hotel and at the time, uh, they would use me, which is good, uh, and I didn't recognize that I even had this gift when there would be a situation that would rise up with a family reunion or a wedding party that even though my job was to clean the tables and clean the room and set up the room, they would send me in to diffuse the situation. They would send me in to talk to the wife. They would send me in to, to talk to whoever needs to be talked to to diffuse the situation because in the hotel business, in the hospitality industry, even though they just spent five, six, seven thousand dollars on this wedding or this family reunion, they're mad. They can get their money back. Mm -hmm. So, uh, especially when they were African Americans, and most of my managers were, were Anglo, they were white. So they like the way you can go talk to them. So anyway, so uh, because of that word made it back to the general manager in the front office. Mm -hmm. Like, man, Dwayne actually saved this function. Dwayne actually. So that's when they offered me a job in the front office, but I didn't feel like I was smart enough to even take that mm -hmm. so I was telling her and I was gonna back out of it she was like why are you not gonna take it you, when you're smart and she said it and kept walking and not realizing that I never heard that before mm -hmm. you know so that encouraged me to go in for the interview and I got the job wow. yeah. well, you know again the power of presence the power of words the opportunity for words to have been spoken in your life in a positive way that that opportunity didn't happen because yeah. the teacher missed the opportunity or you talked about how you would come to church and there was just some hurt in your life yeah. you know early on in your mm -hmm. life and, yeah. and it was like nobody asked you yeah. those questions yeah. nobody spoke and acknowledged you know how how's your life going yeah. what's going on yeah. and give you the opportunity there have been times you, you talked about how your heart was on the verge of wanting somebody to yeah. please yeah. speak some truth into yeah. me yeah. and it didn't happen and so yeah. you know, our words are so important yeah. Presence yeah, so yeah. Um, um, at that time, again, just me and my grandmother, she's an elderly person. She's getting sick. We have no running water. We have no heater, at, no heat. We have no food. And But yet, people will come pick us up and take us to church. And I'm a young guy, 11, 12 years old, and I see men in the church. So I would just go stand beside them, hoping they would ask, man, how you doing? And the lesson in this, always remember this. If there is a young man and he's always with his mama, his grandma, or his auntie, and there's never any any uh, man around, mm -hmm. I don't care if he's smiling or whatnot, he is not okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he is hurting on the inside. He just has become a master at hiding his pain. And I became a master 
at hiding the pain, you know, but I still would try to act like everything was okay and I was cool and everything, but I still wanted someone to say, how you doing? And it got to a point where I kept standing around these men, hoping they would engage into a conversation that would ask me about it, and when they didn't do it, I got I became more angry. Mm. So I was like, man, forget it. And I, I ain't say forget it. I was saying other words, because I ain't no Lord. I got you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, forget it. Don't nobody care, even these church guys. Yeah. I used to think that. I didn't know the term Christian. Yeah. yeah. Y'all stop this podcast right now, whatever you're doing, and you just put it on pause, and you pick up your notebook, and you, you go back and you rewind on the podcast and listen to those last few things he said and write that down. I'm presuming to be the Holy Spirit now because that needs to be heard, that we need to pay attention and recognize and be aware of people in our lives. So, mm-hmm. all right, now, once you've done that, <laughs> then, you, then we'll proceed. It's like, okay, so we talked about the power of presence and the power of words. You met someone who has the power of presence and it's always an always type presence and you met someone who is the living word yeah and talk, let's talk Jesus. about the power yes sir let's <laughs> talk about that let's talk about february 3rd 2002 and then how god has led you yeah. from that point right? yeah so uh again like i said i i accepted my boss invitation um, to go to church because I wanted a jo- uh, wanted a job and, and even the way the Lord saved me and drew him drew me to himself and how he's developed me is the same way we do ministry right now you know the way we do ministry at Flatline and I know we're gonna get to that Flatline Church yes sir. you know uh, is the fact that um, every Sunday from 12 p.m. to 1:30 we send teams out into the community to share the gospel and to invite people to church, but really to invite you to Jesus, you know, and come to church and get plugged in. And then we have our service from uh, 2.30 to 4 o'clock, and then we provide a fellowship meal every Sunday from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. So we're big on touches and things like that. So, um, and sometimes people will say, well, the only reason they come to church is because they want to get free food. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Because God reminded me I got saved not because I was going to church to learn about Jesus. I want to be saved. I went to church to, to get a promotion. So God used a jacked up motive mm-hmm. as a tool to bring me to himself. So I, I appreciate how he do that. And I recognize how, why he did it. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, so I get to church. Trying to mingle and get a promotion, and I hear the gospel clear for the first time. And it's so clear to it scared me. This guy talking about stuff. I'm like, man, who is telling this guy all my business? And I know it can't be her because I ain't told her, you know. And I accepted Jesus that day. And on that that exact day when I went home, because my wife didn't come, she wasn't saved yet. I got saved February third, two thousand two. She got saved March third, two thousand two. I got wow. baptized February tenth, two thousand two. She got baptized March tenth, two thousand two. Wow. So cool. when I went back home, you know, I was addicted to pornography and all kinds of stuff. So I'm reaching up on the, the couch, pulling out DVDs. We have streaming there, mm-hmm. you know, throwing out DVDs, stuff that she didn't even know was in the house. I had over $1,000 worth of street value music in my car because I used to sell bootleg music out my trunk. I'm dumping all this stuff. I was tied to other rings where we was doing stuff that's sort of illegal when it comes to cars and stuff like that. Just that day, mm-hmm. like I cut all of that out. And the sermon wasn't even about none of this stuff that I was doing it's just that God touched my heart and gave me a new mind new heart I just knew I needed to separate from that stuff uh-huh. you know so I get back to work you know um, uh, on Monday and there's even some things in that that I learned that 
that uh, was done out of ignorance. And ignorance is not a bad word. Stupidity is a bad word. Ignorance is where you just don't know no better. Mm -hmm. So even though I'm 26 years old, I get saved. I get the right hand of fellowship. But I don't have a Bible. Mm -hmm. And no one thought to ask, do we get a Bible? I think they assume because I'm 26 years old and you're in the South, mm -hmm. you're just not coming back to the Lord. Not knowing I never opened the Bible. I don't own a, never own the Bible. None of this stuff. So I go back to work. Uh, but I'm fired up. I'm sharing the gospel. All right. I'm sharing them two, three lines that I learned the pastor said at church. And um, I hate it. And this is another thing, too, man. I hated white people, you know. And I hated white people based on the music that I was listening to, the mo urban movies that I was watching, and what the guys were telling me on the block, the white man and the devil. And I, lived, I grew up in a segregation town. And the danger in that is that the town is still segregated. It was segregated then, mm -hmm. and white Christians then come and correct the lie that was being told to me. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm hating white people. This is how God is so awesome. But I'm, but now I'm back at work. So at the time, I'm the sales manager. So it's my job to walk the lobby and make sure everything was good with your room. So now I'm walking the lobby and I see this white guy sitting over in the corner with his Bible open. So I walk over to his table and uh, introduce myself, ask him how everything was going in the room. He said everything was fine. And then I'm thinking, well, now I'm about to tell my own personal business. So I told him, I said, sir, I don't know. No, I don't know. I, I said, sir, I just want to let you know I became a believer Sunday. It was like a Tuesday. Man, it's like he did it in slow motion. He gently closed his Bible. He stood up and then he hugged me. Now, what he don't realize, I've never been hugged by a man before I'm 26 years old. And when he hugged me, it's this weight that just left me. Wow. And it was like Jesus himself hugged me. You know. So then, uh, this is around 7.30, he left. Mind you, I didn't tell him I didn't have a Bible. He came back to the hotel, knocked on my window. Because you can see my office from the window about 10.30. And he had a Bible. And he gave me a Bible. And again, out of ignorance, he still didn't tell me what to do with it. But he just said, the Lord told me to go get you this Bible. So I went, I remember going back, sitting down at my desk. And first I started reading how it was created and how many authors and all that. And I think I got bored with that. And then I just opened it, right? And then went to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. And then that scripture says, and it was like, I didn't know about Paul and them. It was like the Lord was talking directly to Dwayne. Because yeah. it seemed like what I'm about to tell you, the word jumped off the page into my heart. And Ephesians 6, 19 said, I read it. It says, as for me that I may be given utterance, that I may boldly open my mouth and proclaim the mystery of the gospel. That's the first scripture I ever read out of God's wow. holy word. And I knew at that moment that God wanted to use my mouth to bring him glory, you know. And then I learned John 3.16, Romans 8.28, Jeremiah 29.11, all, all that later. And that first month of me being saved, I led over 30 people to Christ. Like, wow. like I mean, my, we had a Yukon. It was full every Sunday. I was wow. telling everybody, I went back to the block. I was witnessing on my job. I just wanted to share the gospel. I wanted to, to uh, I, I was like the woman of Samaria. I just want you to know what just happened to me. You know, uh, so after about six, seven months of doing that, I mean, we can, you know, every Sunday, three, four people getting baptized. So the church was like, man, we're going to elect him to be a deacon. I was a deacon in like less than a year. You know, and I, even in that, I said, Lord, because I had learned about Stephen. I said, I'm going to become a deacon. I want to be a deacon like the one I'm reading in the Bible. Don't, even though, there are many deacons, seven deacons. You only read about Stephen. So I said, I want to be a Stephen deacon. So um, anyway, so I guess I become a deacon, move up to, um, I served as a deacon for seven years. And then um, I became a youth pastor. And um, I, I did that for about seven years, two, six, seven years. 
and then um, uh, by by now I've been promoted all the way to general manager mm -hmm. at the hotel. You know, like I'm on an open hotels now, but in the midst of that. You know, I'm, I'm very engaged now in the schools, you know, doing chaplain work with the boys, the football boys. And I'm, I'm starting to get calls during the day, mm -hmm. you know, to come out and minister to guys like, hey, we caught them smoking weed, you know, skipping school. We're about ready to kick them out. If you can't get through to them, they're gone. Yeah. So they're like, can you come out? So I'm the general manager of the hotel. You know, when they paying you to run a $14 million hotel, you arrive at 7 and you leave at 7. Mm -hmm. But... At this time, we would, we would go to the bank and do our deposits. So I normally would send my AGM, which stands for Assistant General Manager. But on days that the school would call me mm -hmm. to come out and minister to these boys or talk to these boys, I would go myself. In the, and, and it normally only takes about 15 minutes to do a bank run, mm -hmm. but I would be gone sometime an hour, hour and a half. And it got to a point where this is not a good, this is not a good, uh, this is not a good, um, a good witness for the Lord mm -hmm. because when I get back to the hotel they would say stuff like dad Mr. Dwayne well you went to the, you went to Tuscaloosa to the bank and I knew I couldn't really tell them where I was going right. so to them it seemed like I was probably was doing something I had no business doing so the Lord told me you're either gonna stop going to these schools or you're gonna have to let this job go mm -hmm. and I knew what he wanted from the jump yeah. you know so um after wrestling with that for about a good week or so uh, it was time to tell my wife that the Lord want me to stop. So let me tell you, let me back up. So now I'm riding down the street one day, and I hear the Lord speaking to my spirit. Mm -hmm. Read Romans 6:11. Now yeah. I read Romans many times, but Romans 6:11 wasn't a verse that just stuck out to me. If you had said read John 3:16, Romans 8:28, you know these are familiar verses. Romans 6:11 wasn't. So I remember pulling over in TJ Maxx parking lot right down the street here on Vaughn Road, reached reached in the back, grabbed my Bible. And uh, it, it read, I reckon you to be dead to sin, but alive to God through Christ Jesus. Then I heard the Lord say, in order to live, you got to die. You got to die before you die so you can live. He said, I want you to start flatline. I'm like, what in the world? Like, I had no idea what it was, right? So, and I know me. So, if I didn't tell someone, I know I was going to talk myself out of it. Because I got this comfortable job. My wife ain't, she got to work. Because we making good money. Mm -hmm. You know, but I felt a strong tug that this is the Lord. I want me to do this. So I called one of my friends who's making $100,000 a year. He's a pharmaceutical rep. So I'm thinking maybe he's going to say, well, you ain't got to quit your job to start it. You can still do this. But when I told him what the Lord told me to do, like, God want me to quit my job and start flatlining. He's like, amen. I'm like, oh, Lord. So that means I got to do this. Right? And this is what I knew. Like, you know, the rappers and all that stuff came later. Mm -hmm. But I did, this is what I knew the Lord wanted to do with Flatline, whether it's going to be a ministry or after school program, I didn't know, mentoring program, I didn't know what it was. I knew it was to affect fatherless African-American young men. That's what I knew. I knew that in that parking lot, you know, so um, wrestled with it for a few days and then I went and told my wife exactly what the Lord said and um. Uh, Man, I know she's a proper 31 woman because her response was like, okay. And then she said this. She said, but you know what? I trust God and I trust that God speaks to you. Mm -hmm. I said, well, great. Because from now on for the next year or so, we're going to be eating Roman noodles and water because I don't know how <laughs> this thing is going to be funded. And I quit my job, you know. And uh, what I what I end up doing is just demote myself. When I told the regional, I just need to work at the front desk, but I need time to figure out what the Lord want me to do. And they very supportive, still to this day, still supportive, you that's know. Right. Uh, uh, and that started flatline, you know. 
and that ended up growing into Christian rappers, and we now we're, we're traveling all over the country. You know, I've been all the way to Ghana, Africa. We're doing school assemblies and and um, chaplaincy work, and the guys would go in and rap and do poetry. I would preach at the end, and we've seen from two people to five hundred people get saved at, at a time. So we've seen thousands of people just come to the Lord through that ministry. You know, and because of um, the effect that the ministry was uh, uh, was was making here in the city, it attracted the attention of Montgomery Baptist Association. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and that's when they asked me to come on staff. And at first, I'm like, man, I don't know what I got to offer there, but came on staff with Montgomery Baptist Association as a liaison between Montgomery Public School Systems and Montgomery Baptist Churches. That relationship has been, I mean, awesome. You yeah. know. Uh, teaching them how to engage the schools without compromising the gospel and still not breaking the law, still obeying the law of the land. You know, just by doing after school stuff like feeding the football team and things like that. And it's, it's just been a great, uh, we've just been seeing the Lord do a great thing all over the, the city through that, you know. And then did that for about a year and that opened the door then for the church, you yeah. know. And, and we have, right now we're at Flatline Church at Chisholm uh, and there's a group of 18, 19 individuals who had a church on the north side of Montgomery that reached out to Montgomery Baptist Association and uh, confessed that hey, we don't, you know, we're at an age now where we really can't serve this community like we should serve this community, and we didn't do a good job of evangelizing and having younger people here to step in mm -hmm. to do that. Do you know of an African American missiologist pastor that we can donate our building to uh, for a church? And uh, and my boss Neil Hughes said, "Actually, we do, you know." So uh, funny you should mention. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went over and preached one time. First black pastor to ever preach in their morning service. Wow. They've been in existence since 1910. Wow. The building been there since 1945. And as I'm praying about, okay, God, what you what you want me to preach on? He said, "Preach on the Holy Spirit." And the message that I taught was was entitled "Best Friend." Mm -hmm. So uh, at the end of the message. There was a line of every last one of them that came over and, and hugged on me. And, and one of the elder, the oldest member in the church, she's 93 years old, her name is Henry. I know she don't mind me telling you. And with tears in her eyes, she said, I've been coming to this church my whole life and I've never heard anyone break the Holy Spirit down the way you just broke it down. Wow. And she said, halfway through the sermon, I thought you was talking about your wife. Wow. You know, wow. but it ended up being the Holy Spirit. And then it came time for them to vote to give us the building. What you think the vote was? It's 19 people who had to vote. 19 to zero. 19 to zero. And that's four. how we. Four. No, 19 to zero. 19, like, yeah, 19 was, to zero. Yeah, 19 to zero for giving. For the building. building. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, it was unanimous. Uh, and, and, and that has launched Flatline Church at Children, and that's where we are right now. Wow. So even though Flatline Movement is still in existence, we're still doing assembly. We just did an assembly last week down in uh, Greenville, Evergreen, Alabama. Okay. Had over 500 youth show up. Uh, my guys rapped. I, I spoke. Um, Ken Bevel from Courageous Movie, he spoke. So uh, and we booked all the way to June of next year already, you know, uh -huh. just doing events and sharing the gospel through, like I said, assemblies block parties, uh, uh, chaplaincy work, and things of that nature. Yeah. Well, this is exciting. I mean, it's uh, what God is doing in your life and how God had a plan for your life yeah. and how God brought you to that moment where he changed your life and did a work in you, but then he spent some time building you up yeah. to the point where you are. And you, you said you felt your calling was a, a call to fatherless young men. Yes, sir. Uh, in the black community. Mm -hmm. uh, I, 
I try to pay attention with what's going on as I'm, you know, let's just back up a little bit. Wednesday, I walked into your office at Montgomery Baptist Association and introduced myself, and I'd contacted you before, and I talked, told you about this podcast, and you yeah. said, well, absolutely, let's do it. And Friday, here we are, we're sitting down two days later. Yeah. I have a five-year journal. I picked up my five-year journal this morning, and of course, five-year journal I have every day for the last four years, and now I'm in the fifth year where yeah. God has spoken in my life. And this morning, August 16th, Mm. Uh, I'm reading in my journal, and here's a quote that I wrote last year in the journal mm. uh, by a man by the name of Robert Bly. Robert Bly is an American poet, uh, but he's also into, he talks a lot about men, and I don't know if he's a believer or not, but here's the quote. I don't even know where I got this quote, but he said this. He says, where a man's wound is, that is where his genius will be. Wow. And then I'm reading this morning Ann Voskamp's devotional, A Way to Abundance. Mm -hmm. And here's what she wrote this morning as I'm reading this during my quiet time. She said, our most meaningful purpose can be found exactly in our most painful brokenness. Wow. We can be brokers of healing exactly where we have known the most brokenness. Wow. Amen. And I'd see those two quotes just kind of come right in to God's specific calling on your life yeah, amen. and you were talking you, you, in the book you say where you you were you often talk to young men and as you share your testimony which you shared here on the podcast you, you make it known to them that your life is the exception yeah not the rule yeah, and the it's way exception you, to the rule yeah, not the, the rule and the way you said it how did you how did you say it i'm gonna have to go back and dig it out here uh yeah. about god uh how god graced me out yeah yeah and uh, yeah and, and and the whole the heartbeat behind that is that yeah you know i mean i've, I've done a lot of dirt you know a lot of things that should have landed me in prison that federal prison or, or the other the grave and I've been able to come out of that like God graced me out of that mm -hmm. but everyone who does what I do don't make it out yeah you know so don't think that you can just do all this crazy stuff and then when you get 26 or 27 like me give your life to the Lord and then you live you know what I'm saying a different life you might not you not that might not be that's not the rule so if you're out here doing some crazy stuff you're robbing and you're selling drugs and you're you know having you know multiple relationship with multiple girls you might catch AIDS you might get killed you might go to prison like don't don't look at my life because I've done that and now I'm telling you I came out of it like that's the rule right. I'm an exception to the rule based on God knew I was gonna say yes to this gospel and preach his word so since I'm talking to you right now you need to stop it right now mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. One thing said about you is, uh, it, 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 I believe it was Willie Spears that made the comment about he, he put the focus on your humility. And as I read through the book, too, again, the power of words spoken in your life, very sensitive to hearing the voices that are speaking into you, there was a moment when you were you were a deacon and your wife Leslie told you she said uh, you're out trying to save the world and how did she finish that yeah statement? she said you don't realize that your wife is dying and how did you respond in that moment well w there was any words that I could respond so what I did was well, I just grabbed her and hugged her 
And when I hugged her and when we got a chance to talk, I made up in my mind that day she was going to become number two in my life. Jesus is number one, but she's number two and everybody else, the children number three and then everybody else. You know, so strategically, I, I heard her heart and I began to put things in place for her to know that I'm going to pay attention to her and her needs and what's going on in her heart and her mind. You know, and I'm going to be very sensitive to her needs and her, you know, her needs, basically. Yeah. 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 So, but that broke my heart. It broke me down so much that I could not respond with words. Like, I didn't have the words to say. Like, even I'm sorry. I, I felt like I'm, I'm sorry would have been vain at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I needed to understand what she was saying, you know, and then by just allowing the Lord to show me how she was right, mm -hmm. she was absolutely right. I was yeah. saving the world. I would get up two, three o'clock in the morning. I don't care who called me. I don't care what we got planned. If somebody from the church need me, hey, whatever we got planned got to be put on the back burner. I got to go take care of this because I'm a deacon. Yeah. You know, that was my mindset. Yeah. That changed after that, that, yeah. that morning in that kitchen. Yeah. We were talking while we were eating our salads a few moments ago, and I just, I, I said, and of course I'm speaking from experience here, I said, I can tell you what man's number one problem is. Yeah. Guys, our number one problem is pride. Absolutely, man. Uh, Absolutely. And, uh, you know, so, you know, when, when we do stop and listen as people are trying to speak truth into our life, help us to see things, the yeah. important things. And not only, not only when Leslie told you that, but then you write in the book about a friend named Portia mm -hmm. who uh, spoke to you about protecting your family yeah. time. And yeah. again, that was your response. You listened to what she said. Yeah. And, you know, you, you took those words of truth. Yeah. Uh, and matter of fact, her mind. one line was that you are ministering too much. You know, like, man, how you gonna tell me I'm ministering too much? Yeah. You know, and she broke it down to the fact that, you know, I, and at this time, check this out, I don't think I was like neglecting Les because I, we've had that moment. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a pastor, right? I'm a youth pastor right now. So I'm still thinking I'm being sensitive to her needs, but I'm not being proactive mm -hmm. to making sure that, you know, she gets her time. Yeah. And Portia recommended that I take no events in July because with the way God was using me, I was busy on Saturdays and Sundays, mm -hmm. you know, because we're doing block parties, we're doing stuff on Saturdays, and I mean, I'm in church all day on Sunday, so when am I spending time with her, right. you know? So uh, we came up with the plan of just taking July off, and I did that for three years in a row now. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. Man, we could keep this rolling all day long, and it's been a pleasure. I know, you know, it's real funny, uh, as I read the book, I, when you when God started working in your life and, and when the flatline movement and you know, he planted that in you and it's the beauty of what God is doing in that. I'm planning on coming to your church. Amen, uh, I will be there. Amen. Uh, but you, you know, you mentioned you were getting requests to speak for to young men, football teams and podcasts and I was like, Oh, this is not his first podcast rodeo. Oh, I'm nah, invited. It's, nah. it's funny. You can type in Dwayne Rimbert, because <laughs> uh, uh, I did this on Apple Podcasts, and I found about three or four other podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one in particular, I have another friend of mine who's owned the football podcast, but uh, uh, as we close out our time, and God willing, we'll have another chance around this table, yeah. but as we close out our time, I, I want to give you a two-part challenge to offer as you're speaking to those who are tuning in today who are listening to this podcast, uh, what challenge, what parting words would you give to someone listening right now who is where you were yeah. before Christ? What challenge would you give them? 
what challenge? Well, I would challenge you first to uh, you talking about before I was with yeah, Christ. Before yeah, you, before Christ. Yeah. I would challenge you if you if God has led you to this podcast, that means He's He's calling you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would challenge you to first, uh, you know, get a Bible or go online. You can Google this stuff these days. Even you ain't got to go buy a Bible like I did. Yeah. You know, uh, read the book of John. You know, go to just read the book of John right now and uh, uh, learn the life of Jesus. But first, because in that you're going to find out that you are loved. Mm-hmm. You are important. There is a Savior. There is a God who became flesh, became a man. To come on this earth and live a perfect life. He was here for 33 years, uh, died on the cross because the Bible says, for we all have sinned against God. You know, and the, pun- the, the penalty of that is death, eternal death, eternal separation from God. You know, but, but the gift of God is eternal life. So learn about this God, this Jesus who became a man, died on the cross, and the Father raised him from the dead to give him new life, to give him purpose. You know, uh, and then he said, if you put your faith and your trust, your whole heart, like trust this, trust me, then God will give you new life. And see, I needed new, new, new life. I needed, yeah. like, I didn't know that existed. You know, I thought I just had to settle for the way things were going. But I didn't know about this Savior, this wonderful Father, you know, Jesus, the Christ. So I challenge you to find out that information. I don't care what nobody else has said about the Bible and I don't care because I had these challenges. Oh, it's the white man God and all this other stuff and because some things like slavery did actually take place and people did misuse the Bible, that don't mean that the Bible is evil. It's just like I could take a gun and shoot you with it or I could take that same gun and go to the to the woods and kill a deer and come back and feed you. Mm-hmm. I take a knife and stab you with it, or I can take that knife and slice a, a turkey sandwich and feed you. Yeah. So just because someone has taken something and misused it, don't that don't mean that that the item is evil. Yeah. You know, because those those were my struggle, and that's a lot of things that are going on in the African American context right now. They don't trust the Bible because people misuse the Bible. Yeah. But the Bible is still holy. The yeah. Bible is still true. The Bible has everything that you need. To, to for life, yeah. for peace, for joy, for hope, for future is in the Bible, it's yeah. in the Word of God. So I would challenge you, learn the Bible and then get plugged into a healthy church. Yeah. You know? Uh, and if not, Google us and I'll help you find <laughs> a healthy church in your area. I don't care what area you're in. I work with my government Baptist Association. So we got churches all over the United States of America. You tell me what city and state you're in, I will point you to a healthy church. Yeah. You know, so that would be my challenge. Good challenge. <laughs> now, one other the, the second part of that, someone who's listening, who belongs to a church, a believer who has been standing on the sidelines and allowing things to go on and you know, did not engage with uh, their culture or yeah. did not engage with just people in general. Yeah. Uh, like you had experienced growing up where you, you even you went to church but there was no engaging yeah. you in that particular moment. What word of challenge, uh, speaking the truth in love, yeah. what word of challenge would you give to somebody who, who's not in the game? Yeah. They say they follow Jesus, yeah. they say they believe, but yeah. they they are not following him as a disciple. They're not in the game. They're not reaching out. What, what challenge yeah. would you give well, them? Well, first I would say repent. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, repent uh, for that God grace is sufficient. He will 
He, he will forgive you from all the way up until the moment that you come into the knowledge of you have not been doing that. Because mm -hmm. Matthew 28, do tell us, go into all the world. And definitely, as when they said, start in Jerusalem. That means your neighborhood, mm -hmm. people around you. You know, so go into all the world and preach the gospel and uh, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And, and said, make disciples as well. Make disciples. And then he said, make disciples and then teach them what it is that I've taught you. Mm -hmm. So that actually is a command from the Lord, not just the going into the world, because we ain't got no problem with that most of the time. Mm -hmm. We'll go do an outreach and think that we've done something, mm -hmm. you know. But the main part of that verse in Matthew 28 is make make disciples like train somebody up engage them with the gospel and then walk alongside of them and just share how the lord has done in your life mm -hmm. so and then jesus he, at the end of matthew 28 he gives us the assurance of don't don't be scared don't worry about you don't think you don't have nothing to offer you're not going to know what to say he said behold i will be with you so don't 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 depend on your own power to do this but, but understand this you must do this like you will have to answer to the lord on why you didn't do this if right. you don't do this right. so it's, it's not up to you it, it, you don't have to rely on your own power the lord jesus christ will be with you Amen. while you engage the culture without compromising the gospel Amen. man it's been a pleasure Amen. thank you for coming to the table yes sir uh, thank you for those who are listening in and we sign off every week well, actually it's our sign on and our sign off uh, as we wrap up every Monday morning, you can find it right here, uh, usually around 7 o'clock. Uh, but we, the call that goes out is uh, Table of Redemption, your, or Party of Redemption, your table is now available. Mm. Would you sign us off? Party of Redemption, your table is now available. Go ahead. Party is all? Yeah. Your table is now available. All right, man. Thank you, brother. Amen. Wow. I trust you were as moved and inspired by Dwayne's journey as I was. You know, as we watch the news every day, as we see the needs of our culture spring up all around us, let me tell you what I believe. Every situation that needs a touch of redemption, I believe God has assigned those he has already redeemed to touch those situations, to meet those crises head on with God's healing. I believe that. I believe as soon as the cry goes up, the cry of the fatherless, the cry of the oppressed, the cry of the hurting, I believe as soon as the cry goes up, God's call goes out. And therefore, the problems that continue to exist in our country, in our communities, in our culture, exist because God has spoken to his hands and his feet, his people, and we have put our hands in our pockets and propped up our feet before our televisions and ignored the cries and ignored the call. God help us to flatline. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, deny self, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Until next week.